I think Israel will, for uh, an indefinite period, will have the overall uh, security responsibility because we've seen what happens when we don't have it. One month into the war with Hamas, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is giving his first indication of Israel's plans for Gaza after the fighting ends. This comes as more airstrikes could be seen slamming Gaza City overnight. The IDF says it has secured a Hamas military stronghold in northern Gaza and struck a cell of about 10 terrorists in an anti-tank missile cell. Joining us now is White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby. Admiral, I appreciate your time. I want to start with what we heard, just heard from the Prime Minister. There has been a lot of discussion about what would happen after the military conflict is done. The president has made very clear he believes uh, that holding uh, Gaza, that, that a, 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 uh, essentially a reoccupation is not a good idea. What was your take on what you heard from the prime minister? Well, the president still believes that uh, a reoccupation of Gaza by Israeli forces is not good. It's not good for Israel, not good for the Israeli people. Uh, I will let Prime Minister Netanyahu speak to whatever his post-conflict plans are. I can tell you, though, that one of the conversations that Secretary Blinken's been having in the region is, you know, what does post-conflict Gaza look like? You know, what, what does governance look like in Gaza? Because whatever it is, it can't be what it was on October 6th. It can't be Hamas. One of the, the countries is Saudi Arabia. Um, they're hosting a summit of Muslim leaders this weekend. There are reports that Iran's president, Raisi, will attend that summit. What does that tell you? What's your response to his attendance? I don't know that it tells us anything too specific, uh, Phil. It, it, it to, I think we're going to have to wait to see how this plays out and see what kind of a role, if they actually show up, what kind of role they play. I mean, what our, our perspective is uh, Iran is a destabilizing actor in the region. They support groups like Hamas and Hezbollah. They're supporting these militia groups that continue to fire rockets at our bases in Iraq and in Syria. Uh, and, they're, and they're also supporting Putin's war in Ukraine. So uh, it's difficult for us to see where Iran would have some sort of meaningful, constructive, productive discussion about uh, about conflict resolution at this point, given that they're the arsonists here. But again, we'll have to see what happens at this uh, at, at this meeting this weekend. You mentioned the, the rocket attacks on U.S. personnel. There have also been one-way drone attacks as well. I believe there's uh, yeah. as many as 38 or 39 uh, U.S. personnel who have been injured in those uh, attacks or, or a number of attacks uh, that have occurred. Uh, does the U.S. believe that at this point, the, the threshold for an expanded conflict has not been crossed yet? We, we are uh, still working very hard to keep this conflict from widening, deepening, escalating. Uh, the attacks on our troops obviously are deeply concerning. You've seen us retaliate uh, in, in the last week or so. Uh, we'll evaluate what we're going to do in terms of next steps. We're obviously going to do whatever we have to do to protect our, our troops in Iraq and, and, and Syria, make sure that uh, we make a, a strong statement about force protection and how much that means to us. Uh, but uh, we haven't seen another nation state or actor uh, move in demonstrable major muscle movement ways uh, to try to deepen and widen this conflict as yet. That's one of the reasons why the president has added uh, so much more force posture to the region now, including a, uh, you know, an Ohio-class Ohio uh, submarine, uh, which is now in the Central Command area of responsibility. Uh, we're going to keep watching this. If we have to make additional force posture changes, well, we'll do that, too. Did you think you'd see the day where uh, CENTCOM would tweet out a picture of an Ohio-class submarine uh, in transit? <laughs> Well, look, it's, uh, you know, as you know, it's, it's rare for the United States Navy or our combatant commanders to talk about where our submarines are and what they're doing. But in this case, I think it makes perfect sense when we're trying to send a strong signal of deterrence to actors in the region so that they don't widen this conflict to let them know that we've got yet additional military capability at the ready to def 
to defend our national interests. The president spoke with the prime minister uh, again yesterday. They've been speaking on a very regular basis. Uh, Admiral, I was struck the former prime minister, Ehud Barak, uh, gave an interview yesterday where he was talking about that he could see the window closing for the military operation due to the pressure from regional allies, the pressure also of domestic political pressure at the United States. Has the president conveyed that to the prime minister, that there is a very small window of time to conduct these operations? Well, I won't talk about the private conversation between the president and the prime minister. They, uh, they have a routine now sort of uh, dialogue as, as these operations are, uh, are ongoing. And again, they spoke again yesterday. What, one of the things that the president made clear to the prime minister is that uh, we're going to continue to stand with Israel. We're going to continue to make sure that they have the security assistance they need, the tools, the weapons, the capabilities to go after Hamas. Uh, that hasn't changed since October 7th, and it's not going to change going forward. The, I wanted to play for you sound from uh, Jordan's Queen Rania. She's been very outspoken. She's also, uh, Jordan is a very critical ally in the region for the United States. Take a listen. If you manage to eliminate all of Hamas, what next? The root cause of this conflict is an illegal occupation. It is uh, routine human rights abuses, uh, illegal settlements, uh, um, disregard to UN resolutions and international law. If we do not ad address these root causes, then you can kill the combatant, but you cannot kill the cause. She is uh, of Palestinian, Palestinian descent. Uh, I guess the question is to that point, uh, and for regional leaders, uh, who say the same thing. What is the response right now? So we certainly agree that uh, Hamas isn't just an organization. There's an ideology behind this, this terrorist group that slaughtered 1,400 Israelis on the 7th of October. Uh, and while you can go after the leaders and eliminate the leaders and disrupt the network, and we've proven that we know how to do that against groups like al-Qaeda and ISIS, it is difficult to kill the ideology. Now, she's also talking about uh, history here and, and how things ended up the way they did in Gaza and uh, in the West Bank. And I think that the history is obviously long, it's complicated, it's complex, uh, and it's good for all of us to remind ourselves of, of how we got here. But it's also important to remember that we still believe in a two-state solution. In the United States, we still, President Biden still supports this as a, as a viable vision and a promise for both in a Jewish democratic state and a free and independent Palestinian state. That is the way we believe that both sides can live in peace and security going forward. And even though we're in the middle of a conflict, Phil, the president hasn't given up on that. And we're continuing to talk to our partners throughout the region uh, about how to get back on track to some sort of viable two-state two -state solution here. John Kirby, we appreciate the time and your ability to fight through the leaf blowers uh, behind you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it as always. You bet.